Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Startup of the Year podcast. I'm Frank Gruber, the co-founder and co-CEO of Established, the co-founder of Established Ventures, and the team behind the Startup of the Year community and this very podcast. In this episode, we're going to hear a funding Q&A panel that took place at our ninth annual Startup of the Year Summit. The panel consists of Julia Taxon from GrowTech, Sherman, Sherman Williams from AIN Ventures and Scout Ventures, uh, Heather Buffo from Republic, along with Saxon Baum from Florida Funders. It's a great group of people doing a lot in the ecosystem and uh, know a lot about funding. So excited to have them here to share their knowledge with you all today. As mentioned uh, during the last few episodes of the podcast, we're sharing uh, the most interesting uh, interviews and tidbits from our summit, which took place in January. Uh, it was our ninth annual Startup of the Year Summit. And so, you know, you take a look at these episodes, you'll you'll be hearing from some of the folks that spoke at our summit. Um, a lot of those videos are already out there, but we like to share it in the audio format and you can get it uh, right to your your device of choice as you listen to your podcast. So looking forward to sharing more and hopefully you enjoy them. Shifting gears for a moment, I want to tell you about an event that's coming up. We know matters of finance and accounting may not light your soul on fire, but they are still important, especially as entrepreneurs. Uh, we're all tasked with creating something from nothing, and that's no small feat at all. Um, and you, see, you know, and then ultimately, you also have to handle the uh, the financial side as well. And you probably need to be scrappy to start, especially. So um, we're excited to team up with the founder of Tax Taker, Ari uh, Salaf- Salafia, and uh, she's actually going to share uh, a special online event with us as she discusses how you can unlock free money for your startup. So. Um, she's going to be covering, uh, you know, some accounting tricks. She's going to help unlock, unlock thousands of dollars, uh, or, you know, even hundreds of thousands of dollars for, for your startup. The event is actually taking place June 7th at, uh, noon central, and it's, uh, exclusive to the startup of your community. So if you can go and register, uh, today, you just go to SOTY.link forward slash webinar, SOTY.link forward slash webinar, and, uh, try to, you know, join us and, if unlocking free money for your startup is not enough to entice you, Tax Takers team is actually giving away $1,000 to one lucky entrant or attendee. So um, please uh, check out the details in the event. We'll, we'll share it in the show notes. But um, please do join us on April 7th at noon central. All right. Sounds like that event is going to be pretty interesting and looking forward to it. I'm glad that our community is actually helping other startups, founders helping founders. Uh, especially with things like taxes and saving money and being scrappy, all things that we love to uh, to share. So, all right, let's jump into our discussion, though, as we uh, take on funding, our funding Q&A session. It's great to see everybody really quick. Just welcome to Tampa, Florida. Uh, I'm not originally from Tampa, but I've been here about 10 years. And the growth that we've seen in this ecosystem and in Florida as a whole is just absolutely amazing. So thank you for the support. I wish we had a little bit better weather but uh, we can we can get over that because we got good people in the room. Uh, so thanks again for having us. Just want to start this off. We'll do some quick introductions of the panelists, uh, and then I can introduce myself. So, Hi, I'm Julia Taxon. I'm with GrowTech Ventures, based out of the D.C. area. We are traditional, what, what used to be Series A, traditional Series A investors, writing 3 to $5 million checks into early-stage B2B companies. Hi, my name is Sherman Williams. Uh, 
co-founder and managing partner of AI Inventures. We invest at the intersection of deep technology and dual use technology. Dual meaning companies do business both with the government and in the commercial sector. We have a separate initiative where we invest in the veteran-led startups. We invest mainly at the seed stage, but we do also do a bit of pre-seed investing. Hi, everyone. I'm Heather Buffo. I'm from Republic. Um, Republic is a New York-based company. We are a private investing platform that gives you access to opportunities to invest in companies um, across stages in retail, capital, and crypto. Um, I specifically work on our retail division and um, helping founders raise using SEC exemptions allow you to raise up to $5 million from both credit and non-accredited investors. And my name is Saxon Baum. I'm the VP of Investor Relations at Florida Funders. Florida Funders is an early stage venture firm located here in Tampa. We also have a, a dual headquarters in Miami. Uh, we focus on early stage investing primarily in the state of Florida and the Southeast, but we have investments all over the country. Uh, we wanted really to talk about today what us as investors look for in terms of entrepreneurs and, and attributes of those entrepreneurs. What are some things that you all look for when, when looking at an entrepreneur? What are the top three things that, that you all look for in those, those individuals? Uh, so for me personally, I like honest entrepreneurs. Uh, I appreciate the salesy entrepreneur, but at the end of the day, I like somebody who's open and honest with me and um, it, that starts right with diligence and getting to know people early and then tracking them over time, which is also very important to us. Um, I also like to work with entrepreneurs that are self-aware and that usually manifests in the way of being able to know what you're good at and what you're not and then hiring those gaps around you and hiring smarter people than yourself, um, which I know can be hard from time to time for, for some CEOs to kind of take a step back and, and hire you know, smart people um, around them who, who might know more than them. Um, and then also passionate entrepreneurs, right? Because you're going to be selling your business and your product day in and day out for three, five, ten years sometimes. Um, so being able to get up every morning and, and be passionate about what you're selling. Yeah, so for me, I think about the concept of founder market fit. So you can have an idea, but are you the right person to execute upon that idea? So that's, that's like uh, top of mind for me. And then I do ask questions about your background because I'm trying to assess uh, some sort of leadership, determination, grit that you've kind of been through something before. This is going to be a, you know, quite the journey. Actually, it's going to, as everyone says, it lasts longer than most marriages, right? Um, <laughs> uh, uh, particularly my investment in you, Will, right? Uh, I'm locked in for 10 years. So um, I'm really looking for someone that's been through some things, um, not necessarily not necessarily a situation where their life, their life has been up and to the right, but like they've been through some difficulties, they've overcome them. Um, so those are a couple of things that I really look for. Um, you know, founder market fit is more kind of the technical skill set. And then from there, it's the leadership determination grid are kind of those qualitative factors, whether or not you actually have those. So there are a lot of things that I like uh, about founders, but let me talk a little bit about Republic. We're a little bit different from your traditional a venture investor because you're able to engage your broader community in your fundraising. So founders that tend to be successful on Republic are ones that have a large community surrounding their company and they have an audience that they can draw from to bring in check sizes anywhere from $100 all the way up to a million plus. Um, so in our platform, founders that are extremely successful have that community to leverage. They're excellent marketers and they know how to talk to customers as investors and investors as customers and really translate those folks into one and both of those um, identities. 
Um, and finally, I think what's already been said as well, passionate founders who really know how to communicate their vision effectively um, and truly don't waver. I think, you know, as founders, I've, I've never been a founder, but y'all have a lot of decisions to make. Um, and I understand the, the process that it takes to figure out what's the right path for you. Uh, but founders that really have that conviction about understanding what path they're taking and then really focusing on it and just going with it once that decision's been made, I think um, really stands out to me when founders are, are looking to use our platform and use other resources as well to continue fundraising. So that sort of covers, excuse me, the qualitative side of what a lot of venture firms, early stage firms look for. And I know the qualitative side, especially for us at Florida Funders, is as important if, if not more important than the quantitative side when looking at early stage companies and technology. Would love to talk a little bit about the quantitative side though in terms of traction. So a word that is always used in this ecosystem is traction. And a lot of people think traction is just revenue and sales, uh, but really that's not always the case. So I wanted to pose the question, what type of traction gets you all excited as investors when looking at an early stage business? And maybe it is revenue and sales, but are there other things that, that you all look for? Um, so yeah, revenue and sales is important, but what we look for at GrowTech is product market fit, right? And so the way we assess that is talking to customers. Um, even if a, a company's in this early stages, if it has a pilot out there, you know, we'll talk to that customer they're in pilot with. Um, if they don't have the pilot out there, what we'll do is introduce them to potential customers, which is also value add for the company. And it's a good way for the company to assess us as investors as value add. Um, but it allows us to kind of get an unbiased view of what this product could be in market with these specific customers. Yeah, I mean, so well said. Uh, product market fit is absolutely top of mind when it comes to uh, quantitative factors. Um, <clears throat> we invest fairly early though, um, so you won't necessarily know about product market fit at the seed or pre-seed stage. So what you're, what I'm really looking for is that you have done the work to understand the, uh, the voice of the customer, right? So you, you've gone out and done customer surveys when you're really early, because I'll, I'll invest pre-revenue. You've done surveys. Um, Somehow, you know, you've done, you've just talked to a million and one potential customers, et cetera. That's, that's what I'm looking for. And then after you have had a little bit of traction, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to talk to those customers just like you said. So at Republic, traction is different, I think, for every company, particularly depending on what industry you're in. Large B2B SaaS enterprise company having, you know, a few LOIs, very different from a consumer company having, you know, hundreds or tens even of thousands of customers. Um, so we evaluate it on a deal by deal basis. I think um, for us, traction with revenue is definitely helpful because it shows that you have, well, first of all, some recurring revenue to keep you going. Uh, raising an equity crowdfunding round is actually quite time consuming. So you need to be able to continue to generate um, income while you're in that process. Um, but as you're looking at traction, again, it doesn't, revenue isn't always the best indicator of what your traction looks like. Sometimes it could be, you know, your community following on social media. Um, but I think to Sherman, Sherman's point, um, it really depends on who your customer is and knowing your customer and knowing that your traction is coming from the right place. Um, if you're a, you know, a space company and you have a great social media following, but you have no customers, then that's not really helpful. So um, it's a kind of broad answer, but I think um, traction, you have to know what your traction is supposed to look like in order for you to be sustainable and keep going. Um, so if you're measuring the right things and you're looking at your audience appropriately, then 
that's the traction that we look for. And of course, you know, in market generating some revenue, we have some benchmarks, um, but really understanding who is your audience is the most important thing. Heather, this is a question for you because I, the three of us are more on the traditional venture side. How does due diligence work at a company like Republic when you're looking at so many deals? You want me to share my trade secrets <laughs> in front of all these people? How, how do you guys look at companies? Yeah. And, and I'm assuming it's a bit different than a traditional venture firm. Yeah, um, it actually isn't. So we take a pretty traditional venture lens. We assess all the things that a lot of venture companies do, team, traction, market, size, opportunity. Um, so it's a very holistic view across all those things. Again, we are industry agnostic, so um, it, it's a different per company, but um, we have a, a pretty straightforward process. If a founder is interested in raising with us, you know, we look for your deck. If it looks like a right stage fit, we'll get you on the phone with a business development person. Um, they'll ask some deeper questions. If it still looks like a good fit, we send you a due diligence questionnaire. It takes about a half an hour. It's some pretty basic questions, you know, about your business to date. Um, we get your financials off the shelf, balance sheet, P&L. Um, and then, you know, establish all of that into a memo to, to present to our investment committee, which meets twice a week. So um, pretty kind of but standard it is, stuff. And it's fairly traditional. Yeah. And I mean, our goal is just to be more accessible. And, you know, a lot of the companies that are raising with us, of course, we are an investing platform. So investors are looking for venture scale returns. So a lot of companies are raising venture funding anyways when they're coming to us, but they want to give their community an opportunity to invest. They want to be able to give their first customers, their friends, their family, the people that really believed in them and got them their start, uh, but may not have access to you know, angel investing vehicles, uh, the ability to invest in their companies. So we really do take a, a pretty traditional venture lens, um, but try not to ask founders to do anything outside of what they're already you know, putting together for anyone. Great, thanks. I always love to ask this question and it's a different perspectives up here, so I think it'll be interesting. What industries and verticals is everybody most excited for over the next five or so years? So I've personally been focused a lot on supply chain and logistics um, for the last, let's say, eight years before it was in vogue. Um, there's uh, many firms now, I feel like, that are, are focused on that today. Um, you know, future of work, obviously. Uh, I, I made an investment in, in a company um, in 2018 prior to COVID. Since then, I feel like the future of work industry has been fast forwarded, like like many industries, by five, seven years or so. So there are some really interesting concepts um, and companies and products out there that are addressing the future of work and how people want to work going forward. Yeah, for me, uh, space technology, sustainability technology, healthcare technology, and um, Web 3.0 are some of the areas where I'm just seeing you know, wildly talented people, particularly space, sustainability, and Web 3.0. Um, just wildly talented people coming into those fields. Um, really excited about the growth there. I do a lot of deep technology investing. Um, so those companies are, have the ability to raise, particularly in those spaces I just mentioned, except for Web 3.0, have the ability to raise non-dilutive funding from the U.S. government. And the amount of non-dilutive funding coming down from the U.S. government is increasing uh, pretty significantly. Uh, so that that those segments are pretty exciting for me right now. I think our top industries are probably consumer uh, sustainability, particularly in climate tech and any company that demonstrates some sort of social impact, uh, which isn't necessarily an industry, but rather a, a feature of your company. I think our investors just care a lot about making investments that have an impact and that are changing the world in some really beneficial way. 
Um, of course, you know, obviously venture investing is extremely risky, so you never really know um, what's going to hit. And so I think a lot of people are putting their dollars towards things that are urgent matters, um, especially climate. So I I get really excited about those things. Um, I think for our platform, consumers also just very accessible to retail investors. You know, they're most likely to be customers of the companies that they're investing in, or at least can be if they're, you know, they can be a customer of a, a chip company easier than a supply chain company. So um, I, all of those things, I think, are, are themes that are really important these days um, and important to invest in anyways. But I think for Republican investors, those are the areas that people are most excited about. I want to talk a little bit about the market. So <clears throat> there's more money now in private equity and venture capital than there ever has been. And, and we've seen truly a downstream effect with private equity dollars moving into the types of opportunities that I think we're all used to. You guys feeling any pressure that you have to move a little bit further downstream, going to that pre-seed, that seed deal that maybe you were a bit weary on beforehand? Are you guys feeling that pressure? Or is that something that is, is just out there as a rhetoric? I can start just to mix it up, keep things spicy. Um, no, I think that there will always be need for that earliest stage funding. I think you're, I think you're right that there definitely is um, some tailwinds going towards later stage. And uh, luckily at Republic, we are a technology, financial technology platform. So we are able to make offerings across different stages. Um, we have a, a private accredited only deal room that has some of those later stage deals. And then we have a capital arm that operates like a more traditional VC. So um, there's a little bit of something for everybody, I think. Um, in terms of our focus in retail, I think we are really want to stay earlier stage. And I think equity crowdfunding presents a really unique opportunity for companies at that stage to be able to get to the next milestone that um, a lot of companies just can't make it to in the traditional venture setting. So I am, while I you know do think there is tailwinds in that way, I, I think it's actually better for our industry as a whole um, just to show that the private market is growing and that it's a place that people should think about putting their investment dollars when um, it's frankly just so much larger than the public markets and you know the potential is so much higher. Sure. Um, so I, we are feeling the pressure a little bit. Um, we just uh, we're in our 10th fund and have had the same kind of strategy for, for the last few funds now. Um, and we find ourselves in a market where the Series A used to be a six to eight million dollar Series A. It's now 10 to 15, up to 20 uh, million dollar Series A. And so I will say we are going a little earlier based on um, the actual letter of the, the round, right? So whether it's a Series A or a seed. Um, however, those companies that are coming to us for their seed have already raised a million dollars in friends and family, which used to be a seed. So I feel like Things have shifted, but it's only you know based on the nomenclature and the actual number based on on the round. Um, and then we're also having to get more creative on syndicating our deals. And we were already syndicating all of our deals, but we're just having to get much more creative about going to other similarly sized firms who are getting that same pressure and saying, "Hey, let's do diligence together and try to get in and lead this fifteen million dollars Series A here." Yeah. So um, I think as an investor, you have to have some level of discipline. So with the market, it was wildly frothy. Um, not wildly frothy, but it was very frothy. Um, and you see there's been a correction in the public markets. I haven't checked the market today because it's been here. Um, I'm not sure what it's doing, but I know the level. It was up pre-market. I don't know about now. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So um, I think that the, I heard uh, someone, one of my really good friends in venture uh, gave a great analogy how, you know, the public markets are like a, 
it's like a train pulling something with a chain um, and they're slacking, the, they're slacking that chain. So that means there's time. There's a timing difference between what happens in the public market and what happens in the private markets. But it will eventually happen um, because a lot of times in the private markets, your multiples are, you, you kind of base that off of what the public markets are, are doing. So with it being down, that's going to filter down into the private markets. Uh, we, we already invest quite early um, at the seed stage and, and pre-seed stage. Um, I think that those rounds, while they will come down, they will only come down so much because the fact of the matter is there's just so much money at the seed stage with Greylock raising a $500 million seed stage fund, et cetera. That's naturally going to bid up prices um, for those seed stage deals. But I think that will be tampered a bit by the fact that the public markets are having a lot of issues. So none of these investors up here are out of Silicon Valley. Chairman, you're probably the closest being in, in New York City in terms of, of the market, looking at you know the major markets in, in venture that have been major markets over the last however many years. Um, we're seeing something in Florida that I think everybody else is seeing too, that great companies and capital is leaving the Valley, leaving New York and coming to secondary and tertiary markets. It's been amazing for us in Tampa and Miami and I think the entire state of Florida, but would love to hear everybody's insight on that. Are you seeing in, in your markets, and, and tell us what market that is, are you all seeing that growth as well? And, and do you think that that continues to happen and the diversification outside of those major markets continues to happen? Can I say something real quick? Um, <clears throat> I'd like to reframe it. So there was 160, according to NBCA pitch book, there was about 166 billion invested in venture in 2021, I'm sorry, 2020. And in 2021, there was about 330, 330-some billion, right? So it's not that money's leaving these places because you look at the numbers, they're actually not uh, leaving San Francisco and they're not necessarily leaving New York. It's just that other markets are also doing well. And I think we as a country, this me, this me putting my veteran hat on, we as a country need these other markets to do well to keep up the viability of the United States as, a, as the tech leader of the world, right? So it, we... So we shouldn't necessarily frame it as money leaving California and leaving New York. And the numbers actually don't really bear that out. Um, it's more so you've seen the, like Steve Case, kind of the rise of the rest, you know, coming to the levels of those areas. But we still need the New Yorks, the, the San Francisco's, the L.A.'s, et cetera, to do well. So, yeah. I, that's an interesting way to put it. I... Despite being in tech over a year, I have not been to San Francisco since I was nine. So I don't know what it's like in California. It feels like all that money is coming to Austin. Uh, that's where I live. And uh, I, <laughs> shout out to my Austin friends and portfolio company here, Blend and Sense. Um, I, I think we do have to reframe how we think about where money is and where people are because so many companies are distributed. And so you could say, you know, the investment is coming out of Silicon Valley for a Silicon Valley uh, company, but most of those employees might not live there anymore. So. Um, I think there's a bigger problem outside of venture in terms of where money is going and how that's affecting housing markets and um, salary inequality, income inequality in different communities. Um, so I think that conversation is like way outside of venture scope. Uh, but I think our role in that can be to continue to be a part of the movement to bring more funding to communities where people are becoming distributed and where talent has already existed all along, but there just hasn't been um, enough attention paid to it. So I think I, for us as a 
you know, online platform. We are geography agnostic within the United States. Um, you just have to be U.S. incorporated. We even have companies that are, you know, Delaware C Corps, but operating in Africa and other parts of the world. So um, we are excited for geographic expansion and um, I think have always been looking in, in lots of different places. Um, but I, I'd like Venture to think more critically about, you know, the places that are getting funding. How does it affect the communities of the people that are taking that funding and um, where those businesses are actually operating? So, yeah, we've uh, been around for 40 years now and investing exclusively outside of Silicon Valley during that time for numerous reasons that I, I just got the two-minute warning, so I won't go into. Um, but COVID has equalized the playing field, right? It's made it so people can live where they want to live. Um, regardless of where necessarily the quote-unquote best companies are. Um, and I was telling Lakshmi earlier, I posted on LinkedIn that I was coming down here and I had 15 people reach out to me to say, hey, I relocated to Tampa. We should, we should meet up. Um, these are people that have no ties to the Tampa Bay area. And so, as, as you were saying, there's so much excitement around the opportunity and these, um, these other markets outside of Silicon Valley in New York. And so, you know, we're really looking forward to that. So final question, because I know we have two minutes. Uh, Sherman, you brought up Web3. This is a topic when you're in Florida, you can't go anywhere without hearing about this, especially in Miami, the crypto capital of the world. So I want to ask a question. What part of Web3 is everybody most excited about? I Humbly, I don't think I'm necessarily qualified to answer. I'm still in learning mode myself, very much so. Um, but I think that... For, for my, in all humbleness, with the knowledge that I have, I think that um, people that are op able to operate cross-chain, across the different layers, um, that's really, really interesting. Um, I think, I'm, I'm really excited for Web 3.0. I mean, you know, there's so many applications for it, and a lot of times, every company you see, you have to, you have to ask, why does this need to be on the blockchain? Um, but, and I've been asking that for years, but the, the answers have been getting better and better over time. I agree with that. Yeah. It used to be to get a better valuation. Yeah. Now it's yeah. <laughs> legitimate. And, and the really interesting thing about Web 3.0 is that I am seeing wildly talented people move into that space. Um, and they are going to figure it out. Um, so, yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I'm really excited for everyone to know what Web 3 is myself included at some point. Um, I also am still learning. I think the the most exciting thing to me is I, I do think that blockchain technology is going to completely transform everything that we're doing now. And I do think that I'm excited for Web3 to take down Web2, like um, Facebook and y'all can, anyways. Um, I, I'm really excited for, I, I, I think this is going to be part of a movement of the distributed model where there is, a actual feasible opportunity for users and customers to have more power and control over themselves, their data, um, and the way that they interact using the internet um, and these tools. So I, I, I have big hopes for what it's going to look like um, technologically, societally, politically going forward. Um, I also think anytime that there's a new industry emerging, there's opportunity for new leadership. And um, I would really love to see this industry led by, you know, different kinds of people from different places um, with different backgrounds that looks a lot more diverse and dynamic than what we have in a lot of our traditional tech sector. So 
I'm just excited for the opportunity and I, I really am looking forward to seeing leadership that I'm already seeing from women and, and founders of color and developers and, you know, people who might not have seen themselves in, you know, the entrepreneurial path, finding an opportunity to do that with technology that I think is ultimately going to be extremely mainstream. Nothing real to add there, but looking forward to it becoming, going from a buzzword to an, an actual company's interactive. Yeah. I, I do want to say, if you're a founder of color or woman, this is the time to move into Web 3.0. Uh, before things get established, you know when the establishment comes in, it tends to not work out for some of those groups for various reasons. Um, so if there were a time to move, this being very frank and blunt, uh, the time to move is now uh, because you can really establish some sort of market share there. And if anyone is thinking about it and doesn't know where to start, I'm reading a book called The NFT Handbook. I promise I have no like promotional relationship to it. I'm on chapter eight if anyone wants to start a book club, but it's teaching me about blockchain and crypto and NFTs all together. And it's very clear. And I like books more than articles. So I, shout out to the NFT handbook. Awesome. Well, let's give it up for our panel. Thank you all so much for being here. Thanks for coming to Tampa. All right. Thanks so much. We know that uh, funding and raising capital can really uh, take up a lot of time. It's one of the hardest, hardest projects that startup founders have to endure. Uh, it's also super distracting because you're doing it while you're also trying to run a business, and uh, and that's uh, that's time consuming too. So, uh, so we hope you uh, learned something here from the session today, and hopefully, uh, if you did, you can share it with somebody that else, somebody else that uh, might find it helpful and maybe help them too. So, um, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. If you want to find more sessions like this, uh, we actually live stream the whole Startup of the Year Summit uh, online. So if you go to sotylink est YouTube. It's over on our established YouTube channel. So again, it's SOTY.link forward slash EST YouTube. And you can check out the, the whole live session for that event. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I hope you found it helpful. As I mentioned a moment ago, please do share it with somebody you think might find it helpful. We love sharing and sharing is caring. So, uh, you know, spread the love. All right. This is today's episode. Hopefully uh, you liked it. And you remember, if you have a startup idea, and you want to get it going, today is the best day to start up. Not tomorrow, not the next day. Get it going. Get it started. Iterate. Get uh, get everything you need moving because you never know what can happen. Could rain tomorrow. Who knows? And in doing so, encourage you. I encourage you to join our community for access to support, expert advice, resources, and anything you need to elevate your startup by simply going to startupofyear.com or filling out our application at SOTY.link forward slash apply. It's again, SOTY.link forward slash apply. We'll get you in the community. There's a lot going on these days, and you're going to have a great time meeting people and growing together. Until next time, I'm Frank Gruber. We'll see you next time. And uh, thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe, and we'll be back with another episode soon.